What's up, you guys? Hey. Hey, hey. Long time no chat. I literally just put a cracker in my mouth. Sorry. <laughs> it's those delicious, light and buttery townhouse crackers. Oof. I can't even talk about them. They're too good. The real ones, no. They're so good. Um, We're excited today. It's been a long time. So after we recorded our last episode, I traveled for six weeks straight. Yeah. <laughs> I went from airport to airport to airport airport to home so constant living out of a bag for yeah a long time how many weeks yeah. six you're kidding yeah oh, I that traveled sounds about for, right i traveled for six weeks yeah wow. i also went to hawaii yeah she did and i went camping yeah she did but i did not travel for six weeks and i didn't travel the country but that's okay <laughs> i still had a great time we've just had a lot though it's been we've good. had a lot yeah so we're excited to be back Mm -hmm. we're stoked to be mm -hmm. back because this series is one that we just love obviously because we love love and we love dating and romantic relationships and we love talking about perfectionism so it's like the best of both worlds yeah and romantic relationships are also very hard and very mm -hmm. difficult and very challenging and i think like it's so cheesy to say but they're not designed to be easy it's true like when you take two people that have grown up so differently i don't care if you're dating your next door neighbor they could grow up so wildly different from you mm -hmm. and then merging those lives together like those experiences those mindsets those patterns behaviors like people are just so different and so learning to make that work is difficult and with family I mean, you don't have much of a choice because they're family, so you learn to get along together. Yep. But with a romantic relationship, I, you're choosing this person and you're having to, because you want them, right? You're choosing yeah. them because you want them. And then you're having to navigate all of these differences and it's very nuanced and complex mm -hmm. and something that we have knowledge about through experience and therapy and reading. Yes. And today we're going to talk about attachment styles yes. and I have heard about these once in a communication course about interpersonal relationships but that's the extent of my knowledge Anna however is holding the book called <laughs> attached that <laughs> literally teaches what I learned about in this class and is really passionate about attachment styles and knows a lot so she's gonna bless us with knowledge today I love, you guys, I love attachment styles. Is it because I usually suffer from my own on a daily <laughs> basis? Yeah, but I love them. So attachment styles basically define um, how you are attached to other people. Yeah, which how you tend to cling basic. on to them. Yeah, how you navigate relationships. And the reason this theory came about is because it was basically answering the question of why do some people navigate relationships so effortlessly and other people struggle so hard? And I'm sure that a lot of us can probably relate to that, right? And if you can, you probably um, have a certain attachment style, which we'll go over in a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but it was basically asking this question of like, why, like, why do people operate this way? And after tons of research, studies, science, all that jazz they've come up with the attachment theory, which, um, explains that it explains that. And they call it the new science of adult attachment because it's relatively, it's not real. I wouldn't say it's super new. I mean, I don't know what this book that I'm, it's so, so the book is attached by Amir Levine and Rachel Heller. And I'm trying to see when it was published. It was published in 
2011. So like yeah, pretty recent. It's not yeah. So it's like re- in, in the terms of the grand sphere of science, it's pretty yeah. recent, right? Yeah, pretty recent. So um, what we're gonna do is we're gonna break down the so there's four types of attachment styles, and we're gonna break down what each of those are, and then talk about how perfectionism plays into those, mm-hmm. and you'll see it plays into them so immediately. Yeah, super just easily (laughs) so easily yeah Mm -hmm. so so easily um so the four types of attachment styles are and if you don't know what attachment styles are i'll try to list some attributes and maybe you can kind of like figure out what you are and obviously there's quizzes you can take online you could read this book it has a whole quiz in it and we'll tell you everything about yourself and Um, just to give you a visual too there's a graph that it places them on and the x-axis is anxiety or like um Mm -hmm. urgency in the relationship or whatever Um, yeah and it ranges from low anxiety to high so low Mm -hmm. goes to the left high goes to the right and then the y-axis is avoidance and low goes up and high avoidance goes down so it leaves us with these four categories yeah Yeah. quadrants four quadrants yeah so um yeah exactly that was perfect so yeah so there's like a cross right and it has these four quadrants um, I'll start in the top right quadrant. So the top right quadrant is anxious. So this means that you have low avoidance, but you have really high anxiety. You know, actually, I'm going to start with secure as, as our as our base because that might make more sense. So Ooh, if and you, and maybe yeah. also explaining what the anxiety and avoidant thing means. Means, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So so what Alicia was talking about with the high avoidance and high anxiety or or low avoidance, low anxiety. So avoidance is obviously like being avoidant like you don't you don't want to get close to intimacy you don't want to get close to other people you avoid it and that includes avoiding conflict that includes avoiding having real conversations that includes avoiding basically avoiding being seen Mm -hmm. what perfectionism (laughs) and then anxiety is not or the the anxious side of it isn't necessarily like you have anxiety it's it's that you're obsessive about the relationship everything feels urgent everything feels immediate everything feels like you have to pay attention to it 100 percent right now it has to happen you're very very mm-hmm. obsessive about it it also i just i'm looking up the definition for anxiety and then avoidant and with anxiety it also says eager and mm-hmm. i like that mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. like because it doesn't always i think we associate just the word anxiety with that feeling or even that um oh. with anxiety yeah, right? like clinical like anxiety. Feeling anxious. Yeah. It's like yeah. you would look at that and be like, oh, well, I don't have anxiety because I don't have anxiety, but I can be very eager in the relationship yes. or very urgent or it's like yes. always on the forefront of the, my mind, like it consumes a lot or whatever. So Thousand I liked that a lot with anxiety. And then with avoid and avoidance, it said to prevent from happening, which was interesting. Oh, just to stop things from happening. You just stop it from happening. I freaking love that because that's true because if you're uncomfortable with intimacy... Or anything. Or anything. You don't want it to happen. It's like, I'm stopping this train. I'm avoiding I also think of self-sabotaging too, though, Ooh, because yeah. if something's good, mm-hmm. that can also be really scary because then, you know, you could think like, oh, well, when will this end? And you then, have to admit if it's you, so good. Yeah. So then you can even stop good from happening because you're just like yes. avoiding. Yes. Like yes. pretending it's not there. And if I pretend it's not there, then... I'm because fine. if you have something good to that means two things one it could end mm-hmm. and you'd have to somehow accept that it would end and two if something's good for you it's usually close to you yeah you absolutely. know and that intimacy that fear of intimacy is huge um so in those four quadrants so i'll start with secure which is our top left one so if you have a secure attachment style you have low anxiety and low avoidance 
So you're not super like obsessed about the relationship. I mean, you can be obsessed about the person you're with, but you're not obsessed about how you guys interact with each other. You're not worried about it. Um, it doesn't feel super urgent or immediate. You're, you just kind of have this mindset of like things will work out as they work out. The timing that it works out on, it will work out on. I'm not super worried about forcing things to happen or making things happen. They will just happen naturally. And then the low avoidance is that when these moments come up for either intimacy, conflict, et cetera, you're, you're willing to face them head on and you're not scared of them, right? Mm -hmm. You don't avoid them. And so if your partner brings up feedback for your relationship, obviously that could still be hard to hear, but you're not going to avoid it. You're going to show up for mm -hmm. that, but you're not going to show up excessively because that would be an anxious tendency. Yeah. And if you move over to the right quadrant with anxious, so anxious has low avoidance, which makes sense because if you're anxious about something, you want to address it now. You want to talk about it now. You want to see that person the eagerness. Now. Yeah. You're eager. But then you have high anxiety, which can also really mess up a lot of um, relationships, interactions, et cetera, because someone with a secure attachment style can take a moment of conflict or flaw or imperfection within a relationship and trust that the overall relationship will carry itself out. Whereas a person who has an anxious attachment style, something like that happens and it's suddenly the end of the world. So mm -hmm. to give you an example of some of the thoughts that someone with an anxious attachment style has also BT dubs, this is my attachment style. Well, it was my attachment style. I don't know what I am now. Mm -hmm. I had a, uh, I had a rough breakup end of last year and I've kind of been like in a weird zone since then where I'm like, not anxious but I'm like am I avoidant I don't know we'll get into that in a second so but I am very familiar with this attachment style because this was me for 25 years so some of the thoughts and I've had these thoughts a million times that an anxious attachment style person will have is mind reading right so you'll be like that's it I know that they don't like me anymore I know they don't want to be with me I know they're gonna leave I'll never find anyone else I knew this was too good to last he or she can't treat me this way. I will show him or her. That's a big one. Mm. Um, I knew something would go wrong. I have to talk to or see them right now. Um, maybe if I look drop dead gorgeous or act seductive, things will work out. Interesting. He or she is so amazing. Why would they want to be with me anyway? Remembering all of the good things your partner ever did and said after calming down from a fight. So that one is glorifying, right? And that happens a lot with breakups with someone who has an anxious attachment style. They somehow forget all of the bad parts of the relationship. Wow. And they just only focus on the good and, and missing that. They work from a place of scarcity. Um, or when you're in the middle of a fight, this is like an interesting flip. When you're in the middle of the fight with a person, all you can remember is all the bad stuff they've ever done. So it's this very <laughs> black and white thinking because anxiety likes to have control. And the safest way to think and the, and the way to think that has the most control is black and white thinking because everything is set in its place. And so it will default to that. It kind also of sounds very extreme, like all or nothing. Yes. Like something is all or nothing in the situation. All good when they're gone mm -hmm. or not there. Mm -hmm. Or when you need them mm -hmm. and then all bad when you want it to be, you know? Exactly. Yeah. All or another thing is a huge thing. So that's anxious attachment style. Um, avoidant attachment style. Or actually, sorry, I'm like trying to like go around the quadrant in a clockwise fashion. So if you go down to the bottom right, that one, well, I'm going to skip <laughs> that one for a second. Sorry, because I'm going to talk about avoidant and then I'll talk about how both of these, both of these come together. So mm -hmm. Bottom left is avoidant, and that is low anxiety, high avoidance. So these are people who seem very apathetic in their relationships. They don't really show up for them. Um, they're there kind of at the bare minimum, if that. They don't seem to really care. They Because um, they, they avoid everything a lot, but they're not also not worried about it. 
Hmm. You know, so they're they're keeping themselves very distanced in the relationship. But then at the same time, they're not like, oh, should I be doing that? Like, should I be doing more? They just don't. It sounds a lot like self-preservation. Yes. To an extreme. Mm -hmm. To an extreme. extreme. Yeah. Like that shield that Brene Brown talks about that Mm -hmm. you're just holding up, protecting yourself. Yep. Totally. Do you have more of the thought? Like, I love the thoughts that you read that come with it. Yeah. Let me see. Are there thoughts that come with avoidance? There should be. Let me like hurry and I can't remember what chapter. Oh, no. I was anxious because those are really good. As you were reading anxious ones, I was like me i know oh really so, did you relate to an extent like some of them yeah for sure i seriously all of those i like i could get those tattooed on my body <laughs> because they are such a <laughs> deep part of me as a person if she just has tattooed on her body if i act seductively then they'll <laughs> want me <laughs> just <laughs> all of these anxious that Can you imagine? So hilarious. I'm like parting it up at a club or something, and he's like, "What does your tattoo mean?" And I'm like, <laughs> or he recognizes it, and he's like, "I'm an anxious attachment he's style like, too." Is this me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, "Do you want to go home with me? We're both anxious." Oh, okay, here we go. Okay, so common avoidant thoughts, emotions, and reactions: all or nothing thinking. I knew they weren't right for me and this proves it. So you're like self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Where you sap like exactly what you're talking about. You sabotage the relationship and you go, see, I knew it. It was wrong for me. Yeah. When really you were making it wrong for you because you don't want to be close to someone. Um, overgeneralizing. I knew I wasn't made to be in a close relationship. He or she is taking over my life. I can't take it. Um, now mm-hmm. I have to do everything his or her way. The price is too high. I'm sacrificing my freedom. I need to get out of here. I feel suffocated. If they were the one, this kind of thing wouldn't happen. That's huge for avoidance. Yeah. When I was with so-and-so, right, a phantom ex, this wouldn't have happened. Um, malicious intent, right? You think that they're, you're like, oh my gosh, they are trying to annoy me. They're, they're trying, trying to, to make frustrate my life me. Hard. They're trying to make my life hard. They want to just tie me down. You fantasize about having sex or being intimate with other people, which I don't think that is like directly correlated, right? Uh, I mean, tons of people do that all the time for many different reasons, but I'll it be could just be that they're like glorifying something that they don't have because exactly. it's proving that like what they have is less than exactly. And the funny thing is, this isn't across the board, but a lot of times avoidance are secretly like hopeless romantics Interesting. and they have this huge <laughs> idea of love and this huge idea of romance. And because nothing ever measures up to what they've idealized in their head, then Nothing's they start enough. shutting off to. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, or thinking like, oh, they're so needy, it's pathetic. And so you're taking these like little moments of flaws and you're turning it into this huge generalization for the entire relationship. So then we get the magic quadrant number four, which is so horrible for the people <laughs> who are in it. And it is anxious avoidance. And you're probably like, okay, how could someone be anxious and avoidant at the same time? And that is a great question. So this is when someone is again, super anxious. So in that quadrant, they have very high anxiety, but they have very high avoidance. So they Sounds are like a spiral. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. So they are obsessed with the relationship. They want the person close to them, but at the same time, they don't want intimacy and they don't want people to see them as they really are. So it's this horrible, mm-hmm. like clashing existence where you're craving someone to be close to you, but also it's your biggest fear to have someone close to you. That's sad. Horrible. And didn't you say, I don't know if it says it in the book, but like a lot of people fall into this category. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people fall into this category. I wonder if they have like, I would be interested in like the population. Numbers? Yeah. Uh, I don't. It's I don't okay that do. you wouldn't know. I would just be like 
curious to like know i i read this book a couple of times i don't remember there being like actual numbers yeah. on them but i mean i don't know i don't know also it'd be so hard to measure that like it would be because yeah and people don't usually like flip like from attachment styles very quickly usually it takes you years to to switch from one attachment style to the other um or something like a huge significant event but the the crazy thing about this so the the way that this entire theory came about is because um again they were answering the question of why do people navigate relationships easily and why do other people not and the classifications that they came up with the secure anxious avoidant anxious avoidant um came from an experiment they did on babies so what they did is they had these babies of course and they were usually (laughs) nine to 18 months old somewhere in that range and they did what they call a strange situation test which is basically a reunion with a parent after a stressful separation um, and so they then recorded the baby's reactions to being reunited to their parents and the babies who were anxious became extremely distressed when the, the mom left the room. Um, and then when the mom returns, she is super happy to see her, but also really mad. Like they would have like a tantrum, like they would, they would be super happy that she was there, but like so mad, mad that at they them, left, which makes sense. Right. Because in the anxious attachment style, one of the thoughts is how dare they treat me like this? I'll show them. But the reason you want to show them is because you care about them, right? <laughs> the reason Khloe yeah. Kardashian got a revenge body is because mm. she cared what her ex thought about her. And she cared about that relationship. I'll right? show like, you. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'll show you. Um, and then the babies who were secure were, you know, they were distressed when the mom left the room. But when she came back, they were super happy she was there and then quickly went back to doing their own thing. Yeah. So they were like, oh, thank goodness you're back. I'm going to go back to my life, you know? And then this one is crazy. The avoidant babies. So with the avoidant babies. <laughs> I love that we call them avoidant babies. I know. All of us are avoidant babies. <laughs> the avoidant babies. Avoidant babies. So distressed when the mom leaves. And then when the mom comes back, the baby showed no emotion. Did not even most of the time acknowledge that the mom came back. Was very, very distant. Like did not pay attention to her. But the crazy thing is, is that when they were measuring the baby's heart rates, the baby wasn't showing anything, but their heart rates were sky high. So That's on the inside, the baby was freaking out and its nervous system was like freaking was out. Was that anxious avoidant? No, that's just avoidant. Huh. Yeah, that's just avoidant. Because avoidant is low anxiety. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, oh, that's just what the book says. <laughs> that's that's just what know. the paper says. <laughs> <laughs> the science is broken. No, no, no. That's, that's good. But, yeah. Well, I guess it's really kind of impossible for a human not to care at all. Yeah, because you'd have to be like a sociopath. And okay, wait, no, this makes sense, though, because on the graph of anxiety, it isn't correlating it to the feeling of just anxiety. It's the urgency. Yes. And the baby's not being urgent. Right. Yeah. The baby's like, whatever. But uh, it's nervous system is like, we're not doing good. The anxiety on the graph and what they're measuring with is the urgency, the eagerness, the obsessiveness, the obsessiveness, the importance of X, Y, Z. But the avoidant baby still felt anxiety, but didn't show it. It felt stress. Yeah. Stress. Yeah. Yeah, Stress. Yeah, exactly. We're good guys. Science is back on track (laughs) all as well. Um, so that is like, I, when I read that, that was so crazy to me because I mean, we're all just a bunch of little sippy cup kids Mm -hmm. figuring out how to be adults, you know? And like, all of us are like this, all of us are like these, these little babies, you know? Um, and the reason that this caters so well to perfectionism is because so much of these attachment styles that aren't secure are so revolved around not wanting people to see you as you are. 
You're avoidant because you don't want to let people in. You're anxious because you're trying to control how to let people in, which is good. You should control that, but you're trying to control how people perceive you. Because if you're avoidant, the, the crazy thing is, is if you're avoidant, that's a coping mechanism because people can't perceive you because you don't allow them to. Whereas if you're anxious, you're letting people perceive you, but you are trying so hard to control what they think, which is people pleasing. What's interesting about these attachment styles is like when they tested on babies, the babies didn't learn this behavior like they're babies. They're babies yeah. But as they grow into toddlers and kids, like they learn that if I cry, I get what I want. Like if I whatever, mm-hmm. like they kind of secure this attachment style that works for them. And as we grow up, we go through school, we go into high school, we whatever, we go to college. Like we don't learn emotional intelligence to unlearn some of these things yes, or to understand why I behave this way. Why do I feel urgent or eager or obsessed over this relationship? Why do I avoid so mm-hmm. much? Why am I so afraid of being seen? Like we don't really dissect that, but it mm-hmm. is super um, impactful with romantic relationships and how you choose to attach to someone yeah but it's so hard to like rewire everything that you've learned since being an 18 month old child baby yes Yes. exactly exactly snaps for alicia and you know what too i like the biggest joke to me is when we're kids and you're getting bullied in like junior high or whatever elementary school and it's like when i grow up like none of this will be a problem anymore Mm -hmm. but when you grow up like you just learn that adults are just large babies and children that are still mean to each other and are still petty and are still manipulative and are still bullies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, because we don't have the intelligence, most people don't have the emotional intelligence or maturity to not learn these behaviors or to learn where they're coming from or to unlearn them or to unlearn them. Yeah. And perfectionism just teaches us to protect ourselves from these things. Mm -hmm. And then you just use it as an adult to still protect yourself from these things. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Because again, we've talked about this a million times. Perfectionism is a shield, right? Perfectionism is a shield that you put up so that you're protected. So nothing can hurt you. Um, And that can manifest itself in a variety of ways. And the ways that that manifests itself is a lot of the times attachment styles. Because dating, dating and, ro- and, and marriage and romantic relationships is such a unique environment for, for perfectionism because it places all of these right on display, puts them all right on the stage, right? Your, your attachment style, your insecurities, like you have, you have chosen to be emotionally, physically, intellectually intimate with another person to some degree, whatever, whatever degree that is. And by choosing that, like electing to be in that situation puts cylinders on all on on what is the phrase i don't know the fire the firing cylinders phrase fire firing firing on all cylinders cylinders. (laughs) (laughs) it's a lot that's what i meant yeah like uh, your your nervous system is on um on high alert but what's also interesting is i feel that with other attachment styles other than secure maybe being with a romantic partner might not be a choice you could be in this situation where it's this really unhealthy anxious attachment to each other where you need each other yeah and there's a difference between a need and a want to be with someone yes like a baby needs someone to take care of it it doesn't choose that Mm -hmm. but romantic relationships it should be a choice 
Like one of my favorite scenes from the notebook is when he's like, what do you want? Like, what do you want? You know, Mm -hmm. because he's like, I want you like I don't need you if you leave and you break up with me and break my heart, like whatever. But I want you. And there's something more beautiful about being able to choose and not being because like how how special is it that you need someone? Then it's not a choice that they're with you. They're not choosing you. They they need you, which is not romantic. I love that. It's anxious. It's whatever these attachments are. So I think the danger is in some of these other quadrants that it might turn the romantic relationship not into a choice, but an anxious need. And I can't live without. Oh, my gosh. I'm obsessed with that. Genius. Thank you. Genius. My gosh. (laughs) And the crazy thing is, is that a lot of times um, a lot of times people will date and be together and they won't have the same attachment style which can be really toxic. Obviously, I, ideally, two people who are secure will end up with each other. Um, but for example, if an anxious attachment style is dating an avoidant attachment style, I mean, they they just trigger each other constantly because the avoidant is feeling suffocated and the anxious is wanting to control. So the anxious is like, I need to see them right now. I need to talk to them right now. What are they doing tonight? Are they seeing someone else? Blah, blah, blah. And the avoidant's like, bro, I don't even want to like, like, I, I want to just be the bare minimum close to you that I have to be, yeah. you know? And so they trigger the avoidant. The avoidant gets more avoidant, which triggers the ang- the anxious, which triggers the avoidant, which it's just a horrible cycle. It makes me think of that little dog in the, like, one of the opening scenes of Mulan with the bone oh gosh, tied yes. right in front of its face, like, just constantly trying to chase it, but yes. can't reach it because, and it's not that the bone is running away. So I guess it's well, just no, magnets repelling each other, too, like, yeah, that it's it's really can be really hard it's just madness yeah Yeah, it's just absolute madness i'm reading this other book by donald miller called scary close dropping the act and finding true intimacy i want to read so good so something that he says in there which i don't know how fully i agree with it okay Mm, but i really liked it he said he said if a healthy person is in a relationship with an unhealthy person the relationship will still be unhealthy which yeah pans out right because if one person has unhealthy tendencies then it'll bleed into the other person but then i also like i hesitate to to promote that because then it's like oh well you can't be in a relationship till you're 100 percent healthy and i don't think right. that's true i don't know if anyone's 100 percent healthy yeah i could see it like being a thing where it's like a rotten apple in a batch of apples mm, mm-hmm. makes them rotten yeah <laughs> that was most poorly <laughs> worded thing but i saw something on instagram that i saved today i thought it was really it goes with what you were just saying let me find it um okay it says you don't need to be complete or whole to find love you can learn to love yourself while you're in the relationship in fact safe relationships are healing agents for change Ooh, i love that and i think a secure from what i understand a secure attachment style doesn't mean that they are a perfect person i think that's our perfectionist mind saying you have to be perfect then to be in a relationship it's just that you are aware of your flaws and your shortcomings and your vulnerabilities and you are so secure with yourself that even if someone else might reject you or not accept you that's okay because you are secure secure you're okay you're you're anchored and you in. can yeah. be imperfect and still be secure in yourself yes. because you're aware of those imperfections exactly and it's it's very interesting because i mean this this probably feels or sounds like an obvious tie but um, if you think about it, someone who 
isn't secure in and their attachment style with others and themselves is literally insecure. Mm-hmm. You're an insecure person, right? And that's why you depend on other people's approval and other people's opinion and other people's reaction and responses to you. Um, whereas if you're secure, you exactly what Alicia just said, you already know, like you've already gotten to know yourself well enough that you know the things about you that are flawed and you're not afraid of them, right? You're, you're, you're there to embrace them and hold them and hopefully work on them, right? If you don't like it about yourself, like work on it, but it's not, you're not attaching it to your worth or to your character, which perfectionism tells you to, which is why it is very hard to have a secure attachment style when you're a perfectionist. Mm -hmm. Super hard. Yeah. Perfectionism is all about trying to control how you're being portrayed Mm -hmm. so it's not portraying the real you because what if people don't like that you Mm -hmm. and and I think that's something that maybe all of these have in common a little bit it's just how perfectionism presents itself whether it's like the overzealous perfectionist that is anxious and is constantly trying to people please and control the situation and like put on that perfect front Mm -hmm. like they're doing the most that way but then avoidant is like I'm not even gonna attempt to go there I'm just gonna not even let it happen like yes I'm not even gonna open myself to anything like I'm not gonna put a fate I'm not gonna put any version of myself on stage not even like a chameleon syndrome one or a perceived perfect one like I'm just not even gonna show up I'm not gonna yeah I'm I'm gonna stay home and watch a movie Mm -hmm. like I'm not gonna be on that stage at all yeah exactly yeah or just yeah totally 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 um so when it comes to these these attachment styles right and how they play in with perfectionism so there's a little um there's there's an example of secure principles right and those thoughts that we read earlier about what anxious people think what avoidant people think um those thoughts can be translated to how a secure person would think about those and the secure principles are be available which is so hard and to admit that you're going to be available to someone like that is that is so hard be available don't interfere right don't try to force or control let things happen how they're going to happen act encouragingly communicate effectively don't play games Mm -hmm. wear your heart on your sleeve be courageous and honest in your interactions maintain focus on the problem at hand don't make generalizations during conflict and douse the flame before it becomes a forest fire attend to your partner's upsets before they escalate so all of these principles, you know, the thoughts that would accompany these are thoughts like, I can only control myself. I can only control what I'm going to do. And I can be aware of how that will affect the other person, but I can't control how they're going to react or respond. Yeah. Right. And that can't stop me from still being vulnerable and sharing. Exactly. And like being available, letting that person know, like, I'm going to show up for this. I'm going to show up for you. I'm not going to force you to show up, but I need you to know that I'm showing up for this. That's vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Avoidant people don't like to do that. And communicating that availability is also super vulnerable. The dousing of the flame one was interesting before it becomes a forest fire because also in the book Atlas of the Heart by Brene oh, Brown, so she talks about how important language is to explain our feelings and our needs. And for example, like in North Korea, one way that citizens are controlled and dehumanize and devalue there is they're not taught language about things Mm. like there are Mm -hmm. not words for sex or intimacy 
Really? There are not actual, yes, like they don't have words for these things. There's no Whoa. word for it. So how do you even talk about it? Whoa. So, and she doesn't talk about that in Atlas of the Heart. It was just something I learned listening to, oh, oh, what was her name? That's just so this woman that escaped North Korea. Anyway, but it made me think of that because if we don't have actual words to explain how we're feeling or what we need or whatever, like there's no way you even understand it at all like it's so foreign to you yeah so Brene Brown says though that the more we understand our the greater emotional intelligence I guess we have and the greater library and vocabulary we have to describe feelings connection human connection needs we can not only understand our own but we can also interpret others better Mm, like we can interpret other people's feelings or catch on to their feelings more or have greater empathy Mm -hmm. so with dousing the flame um, you could maybe say something and see how someone's responding and just, if they don't even know how to put a word on it, you could just say, Hey, I noticed that you had some sort of response to this. Like, can you tell me more about that? Yeah. Like help them try to put language to it. Yeah. Love that. And not with the intent that it's like, let me teach you about your feelings, but it's like, let's connect here and let's douse this flame. Right. Like, yeah. Let's figure this out. Yeah. And you don't have to douse it perfectly either is the thing it can be messy Mm -hmm. you know most of the best conversations I've had with people have been messy where we're both trying to you know kind of stumble into what we mean and it's there's this very unique beautiful intimacy that comes with that where you both are trying so hard to communicate but it's it's not clean and sparkly it's kind of messy and you're stumbling and you're trying to figure it out but you're doing it together and that is what a secure attachment style does because a secure attachment style isn't afraid of the mess Right. Mm -hmm. It's not afraid of the imperfections and the flaws in themselves or in other people. And so they can have conversations like that where one or both people might not have the language for what they're feeling. Yeah. They get there together. And those uh, uncomfortable conversations or imperfect conversations wouldn't be like definitive for the relationship. It would just be an experience, like a growing experience and a learning experience. Yes. And I think. I noticed a lot with the thoughts with anxious and avoidant and anxious avoidant is that they're very definitive about the relationship. Like this is blank. This is blank. They're thinking whatever. Mm -hmm. But when I think of navigating a conversation that's hard imperfectly, it's just like a learning experience. Mm -hmm. This doesn't mean whatever. It just means that we're learning and we're working through it and that's okay. doesn't mean it's ending. It doesn't mean whatever. It's just life. Mm-hmm. totally 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 yep thousand percent so should we get into some of the takeaways we had about secure attachment styles because oh go for it i feel terrible oh my gosh do it again How just dare you? <laughs> it's my one moment <laughs> sorry go for it <coughs> takeaways oh how i'm ashamed of myself honestly <laughs> Because I think I think at the end of the day, we're all just trying to get towards the secure yeah. attachment style. Subconsciously or consciously. Yeah. yeah. We're all just trying to get there. So welcome to the club of trying to be secure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. And actually, before we get into takeaways now, okay. I've like cut myself off. But I wanted to talk a little bit and um, we didn't talk about this beforehand. So if you don't have anything, don't feel like you have to be on the spot. Kay. I wanted to talk a little bit about how we have both maybe seen attachment styles in <laughs> our lives. Right. Cool. I think the thoughts and emotions and things that you think to yourself is, is helpful. But I also think it, it can be helpful to to talk about like real life examples 
Um, so for example, for me, who I am in a, well, I don't know what I am, but typically I'm an anxious <laughs> attachment style. I'm still figuring that out at the moment. Um, but for me personally, like I, when I was going, when I had like these situationships or flings or whatever, 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 um, I would, I would definitely feel feelings of like, oh, I'll show them, right? Like mm-hmm. I'll show them often when I was in these situationships or these flings or whatever it was, I was operating out of a place of scarcity that was a recurring theme in everything and one of the antidotes for a anxious attachment style is the mindset of abundance right and so I would meet someone I would fall for them really quickly the halo effect definitely took place where I would see five good things about them and assume the rest of them was fabulous and sparkly um (laughs) I could name drop but I won't (laughs) um please do (laughs) Um, but I I would always be operating out of this place of scarcity where if I found someone who made me laugh really hard my brain would immediately think you're never gonna find someone who makes you laugh like this ever again if you mess this up like if you lose them this is your only chance at experiencing this same with like if I found someone who's empathetic or someone who had a great family or someone who's driven my brain just immediately would be like you're never gonna find this again ever in anyone else so you wow. better make it work. And then uh, talk about anxiety. So wow. then obviously I was like, this is urgent. This is immediate. I would get obsessed with it. And then I, of course, would be like, okay, like how, how do I control how they see me? Like, I, I don't want to mess this up. I don't want them to see a flaw because if they see a flaw, they'll leave and I'll never get this again. And I'm in a much healthier place now where like if a guy makes me laugh, I'm like, sick, dude. That Thanks for the t- fun time. <laughs> yeah, that sounded <laughs> horrible. But like, I know that like there's other people there's other guys who won't make me laugh, you know? And even if, and that's not to say that people aren't their own individual people. Cause obviously a relationship you have with someone is never going to be completely replicated in someone else, obviously. Um, but at the same time, you're going to meet someone else. And even if they maybe don't make you laugh the way the other person did, maybe they're going to inspire you in a way the other person didn't. Mm-hmm. Like there's all of these goods and bads and, and degrees of goodness within people that, when you approach it with a mindset of abundance, it can really help alleviate that anxiety and that anxious attachment style. Yeah. And like that, that trait isn't exclusive to that person. Yes. This is not the only funny person I've met in the world. Yes. This is not the only driven person I've met in the world. Like this isn't exclusive to them. Exactly. Which makes sense, right? If you think back to the baby experiment, because that's how your brain works. If you have an anxious attachment style, the mom left and the baby was like, I mean, obviously, obviously they can't just like go find another mom. But like, <laughs> but like the baby's like, the mom walks in, the baby has like five other moms. I'll it's show like, you. Yeah. <laughs> That's so awesome. But it's like, but it's, it's kind of like that idea of like their and, and abandonment issues play way into this, mm-hmm. right? Like they go hand in hand, but it's that whole idea of like, I'm never going to have that ever again. Like it's gone. And that's that all or nothing, nothing thinking. So I obviously can relate to like so many things with an anxious attachment style, but that is one thing that once that clicked for me, that helped so much because in all of these moments where I was feeling anxious, I was like, okay, first question I'd ask myself is what am I trying to control? Why am I trying to control it? And am I trying to control it because I'm afraid I will lose it? And usually if I could answer that question, then I could talk myself out of it and be like, all right, even if I lose him, even if I lose this, it's not the only person like that in the world. Like I'm not losing everything, you know? 
And if you do even lose that thing, then it probably wasn't good anyway or wasn't right anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And something that I was told by a mentor of mine while I was going through my divorce is that you shouldn't have to contort yourself so hard to meet someone else's needs. Like it should be relatively natural to you. Like Mm -hmm. it should be pretty natural to to meet each other's needs, to bond, to connect, to whatever. It shouldn't be like super hard. But I could see an anxious attachment style when they find something that is special and is perceived as scarce, Mm -hmm. then they will contort themselves and do anything. And they're so eager and obsessed with this thing to make it work. Yes, exactly. And the anxious attachment style will take very commonplace traits and put them on a pedestal and make them feel scarce when they're not usually not. Yeah, no, when they're usually not. So, so that I just wanted to give like one little example of like how these attachment styles have manifested in my life, specifically the anxious one and, and just, just giving more context around what they look like. Right. So Alicia, if you don't have anything, it's totally fine. But if you have like experiences with that or like want to give more coloring to that. So yeah, because I'm not as familiar with the attachment styles, I feel like it's a little bit harder to speak to, but in reading the common thoughts with the anxious Mm -hmm. attachment style, I relate probably the most to that one and one of the thoughts is like I have to talk to or see him or her like right now to see them right now Mm. um and I think that one it just makes me think of how important it is to be individuals still and it's so healthy to have individual things and individual goals and individual pursuits because like the reason you are attracted to each other is because of who you are and who you were and you need to remain that person i love that and with this i notice that that like relationship becomes the whole identity and the whole everything and you have to be in that constantly but it's not necessarily realistic but that attachment to it is because it's like what if this goes away what if this doesn't work out it'll be my fault Mm -hmm. like it'll be whatever I noticed some of the actions are, um, ooh, threaten to leave. I've never done that. Roll your eyes. I've done that in my head (laughs) before. (laughs) That's funny. Well, okay. So one thing I will share, I, um, so there's just a couple that I love so much that I met in Hawaii who they've been married for like 12 years and they didn't have kids at the time. Um, they were, were trying to have a baby and whatnot, but, um, their relationship is one that I look at and I'm like, I want that. Like, I want that relationship. They both seem so secure. Mm. They can handle a conflict in front of everyone just right there. They're like, I don't like how that made me feel. That's Another so person's sick. like, oh, sorry. Like why? Or whatever. Or they're just like, you know, whatever they work it out is what I'm trying to say in front of everyone and I had never seen that before Mm -hmm. but they were so secure in themselves and in each other so I was naturally intrigued by their relationship because it was something I wanted I also just got divorced so I was like well what I did didn't necessarily work so what can I learn from them and in talking to them about their relationship the beginning was not good the first like three years they fought constantly really yeah one of them was like yeah i threatened to leave to buy plane tickets to go somewhere <gasps> like threw a plate at them one time like oh just my gosh. just like and i'm not saying that i'm i'm just giving this story of what had happened yeah. but as they learned more about themselves and each other and they understood i can't change or control that person this is who they are 
and they are just wired differently than me they they just learned about each other learned about themselves and then they were everything seemed to work out from there like it still wasn't easy yeah but they just accepted that I can't change this person they can't change me we just have to learn how to like work together and I don't know exactly what their attachment style would be or what it was whatever but now it's definitely very secure Mm -hmm. but I know at the beginning it wasn't and so I share that because like it's not hopeless if you identify with one of the attachment styles that's not ideal you yes like you probably represent most of the population Mm -hmm. 90% I would say honestly and you can change it and and you can yes it's just about doing the work and learning and unlearning a lot of behaviors and rewiring a lot of thought processes that are natural and are automatic to you and learning how to reverse that which can be super hard because it's we're just on autopilot maybe you're autopilot attached autopilot avoidant and you have to stop that process somewhere but it can be done yes 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 a thousand percent wow well with that i won't interrupt do we want to take the stage (laughs) okay takeaways you nail it every time (laughs) so takeaway number one i would say you can just going off of what i just said you can change it just Mm -hmm. takes work it takes effort awareness awareness vulnerability it's uncomfortable you have to drop the perfectionist shield but it can be done yep and part of how you can do that is by letting go of the outcome of a relationship um a lot of people who are avoidant think this relationship is going to hurt me. And so I'm going to avoid it. A lot of people who are anxious are same thing. This uh, relationship's going to hurt me. So I'm going to try to control it. And so letting go of the outcome and just focusing on the relationship as an experience between you and the other person and not as an event or what it's going to end up being. Yes. Focusing on the experience. The one with that is just um, one that I would think of as the only thing you can control are your behaviors and what you are going to do. Mm-hmm. And because you can't control another person, Focus your energy and your behavior inward and how you can become that person you want to be. Focusing on your flaws, on your strengths, on whatever it is, because that's all you have control over. Yep, 100%. And then last one would be just getting comfortable with your flaws, which is the crux of perfectionism, right? We, we act in a perfectionistic way because we are uncomfortable with things about ourselves that aren't perfect. And so doing whatever you need to do, obviously there's a myriad of things you could do. Go to therapy, read the books that will help you, talk to someone who cares about you, make a list for yourself, journal, all that jazz. Learn more about yourself and learn more about your flaws and become more okay with your flaws so that if and when a moment of normally insecurity would arise, you can be secure in who you are because you know yourself well enough, even flawed, mm-hmm. and you know your flaws well enough. Well, I'm definitely going to go read the attached book. It's amazing. And I want to read the other one that... Scary Close? Yeah. Bruh, it will mess you up in a good way. Really? Oh, yeah. I'm only halfway through and I'm like reevaluating everything about myself. (laughs) Well, maybe I'll avoid it for a little while then. (laughs) Okay, avoid it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you all for listening. Please Mm -hmm. share. Please rate and review all of those good things. We're so happy that you're listening. It means the world to us. Happy to be here. My name's Alicia. My name's Anna. And this is Popping Popping Perfectionism. Perfectionism.